This is an audio sermon recorded at Highway 71 Church of Christ in Alma, Arkansas. We are Christians seeking to worship God in spirit and in truth. We would love for you to worship with us at 1030 on Sunday mornings at 1808 Highway 71 North in Alma, Arkansas. So, I don't know if uh, any of y'all uh, listened to uh, today's issues with uh, Dan Cillian. But uh, financial issues with Dan Celia, but uh, I've been listening to that program for over a decade. And uh, the other day, a couple weeks weeks back, uh, there's uh, something that plays uh, as it goes off the air or goes to the top of the hour. I'm not quite sure, but it's on the program every time it's on, and it's a soundbite. Uh, from one of the best presidents this country's ever known. <clears throat> that soundbite comes from a speech that was given on August 23rd of 1984 in Dallas, Texas, before about 17,000 people at a prayer breakfast. And Ronald Reagan, he said, if we ever forget that we are one nation under God, then we will be a nation gone under. And the first word of that quote from him stood out to me, and that was the little word, if. And I got to thinking about that word, if. And all of this stuff that's going on, you can't help but wonder sometimes when you see what's going on. Is this... Is this going to happen? Is that if coming to fruition these decades later? Now, I was 13 years old when he gave this speech. Same age as my youngest daughter. I barely knew who Ronald Reagan was because politics was not on my radar in my routines. <clears throat> not much that mattered was. <clears throat> But when I heard this again the other day, I decided that I wanted to take a few minutes and I want to focus on this, this word and some, some pertinent thoughts around it. <clears throat> when I heard this the other day and I started dwelling on this word, if, it, this, this phrase that he said, if we ever forget that we are one nation under God, then we will be a nation gone under, I got to thinking that almost sounds biblical. It almost sounds like a, a scripture verse, but it's not. But I knew there was something similar to it in the Bible, and uh, I was led to 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 11. And uh, I'm going to be reading out of the NLT this morning. Uh, the primary reason is because um, my King James Version Bible, the print's so small I can't read it hardly. And I haven't got any of them old men glasses yet to correct that. So I'm going to read from 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 11 through 22. So Solomon finished the temple of the Lord as well as the royal palace. He completed everything he had planned to do in the construction of the temple and the palace. Then one night the Lord appeared to Solomon and said, I heard your prayer and have chosen this temple as the place for making sacrifices. 
At times, I might shut up the heavens so that no rain falls, or command grasshoppers to devour their crops, or send plagues among you. Then, if my people, who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray, and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and restore their land. My eyes will be open and my ears attentive to every prayer made in this place. For I have chosen this temple and set it apart to be holy, a place where my name will be honored forever. I will always watch over it, for it is dear to my heart. As for you, if you faithfully follow me, as David your father did, obeying all my commands, decrees, and regulations, then I will establish the throne of your dynasty, for I made this covenant with your father David when I said, One of your descendants will always rule over Israel. But if, in verse 19, and this is a big but if you or your descendants abandon me and disobey the decrees and commands I have given you, and if you serve and worship other gods, then I will uproot the people from this land that I have given them. I will reject this temple that I have made holy to honor my name. I will make it an object of mockery and ridicule among the nations. And though this temple is impressive now, all who will pass by will be appalled. They will ask, why did the Lord do such terrible things to this land and to this temple? And the answer will be, because his people abandoned the Lord, the God of their ancestors, who brought them out of Egypt, and they worshipped other gods instead of instead and bowed down to them. That is why he has brought all these disasters on them. But we know from history that approximately 400 to 410 years later that Nebuchadnezzar came down from Babylonia and destroyed that land. Utterly destroyed it. And that's what the book of Lamentations in our Bible tells us about. So that if turned into a big if, didn't it? That little if there in verse 19 where it says, but if you or your descendants abandon me and disobey then this is what's going to happen. Well, they did it, and that's what happened. It may have took a few hundred centuries, but it happened. President Reagan also said, A state is nothing more than a reflection of its citizens. The more decent the citizen the more decent the state. I want to look at 2 Timothy chapter 3. Second Timothy chapter 3, we're going to look at this whole chapter. <clears throat> because it's pertinent. Second Timothy chapter 3 says, You should know this, Timothy, that in the last days there will be very difficult times. For people will love only themselves and their money. They will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, 
disobedient to their parents, and ungrateful. They will consider nothing sacred. They will be unloving and unforgiving. They will slander others and have no self-control. They will be cruel and hate what is good. They will betray their friends, be reckless, be puffed up with pride, and love pleasure rather than God. They will act religious, but they will reject the power that can make them godly. Stay away from people like that. They are the kind who work their way into people's homes and win the confidence of vulnerable women who are burdened with the guilt of sin and controlled by various desires. Such women are forever following new teachings, but they are never able to understand the truth. These teachers oppose the truth just as Janus and Jambres opposed Moses. They have depraved minds and a counterfeit faith, but they won't get away with this for long. Someday, everybody will recognize what fools they are, just as with Janus and Janus. But you, Timothy, certainly know what I teach and how I live, and what my purpose in life is. You know my faith, my patience, my love, and my endurance. You know how much persecution and suffering I've endured. You know all about how I was persecuted in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra. But the Lord rescued me from all of it. Yes, and everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. But evil people and imposters will flourish. They will deceive others and will themselves be deceived. But you must remain faithful to the things you have been taught. You know they are true, for you know you can trust those who taught you. You have been taught the Holy Scriptures from childhood, and they have given you the wisdom to receive the salvation that comes by trusting in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip His people to do every good work. <clears throat> A state is nothing more than reflection of its citizens the more decent the citizen, the more decent the state. Well, brothers and sisters, back in the 50s, there was seed sown in this country and started coming up and producing in the 60s before I was born and was in full bloom by the time I came along in the 70s and 80s that counteracted everything we just read in that scripture. They started tearing down the home, tearing down the structure of the family that God had created. They started taking away anything good out of public school and public education, such as prayer and the Bible, respect for each other, respect for each other's ideas and opinions. And they went off after Anything and everything. Whatever truth was, is their truth. Dave, uh, Dane touched on this a couple Sundays ago when he talked on truth. They started teaching that there is no absolute truth. This is absolute truth. They started teaching that that's not the case. Both parents... It's, it started to become, become common for both parents to start working outside the home. Which left less and less time for the children to be taught absolute truth. 
nowadays, there's so many things that occupy our time if we let it that I think in general, with very few exceptions, unless a person is extremely focused and determined to open the Word of God and read it to their children, there's not a whole lot of that going on. Especially outside of the faith community. Did you know that there's no telling how many hundreds of thousands of children in this world today have probably never heard the Word of God read? I'm going to be looking at five of these phrases that came from that speech. It's a 15-minute speech, and I highly recommend that you go back and watch it in its entirety. The third one that he said was, Our private and public life will both be influenced by our moral code. Our private and public life will both be influenced by our moral code. What is our moral code? And where do we get a moral code? I believe a moral code is our heart. And our heart is either going to be fashioned by our upbringing to be good, or it's going to be fashioned to be bad and rotten. I want to look at Job chapter 31. Why did, why did Satan want to come after Job? Satan wanted to come after Job because Job was perfect. Job loved God. And he was zealous towards God. That's why he became, came in the crosshairs because Satan always has and always will hate goodness and pureness because he hates everything that the Lord loves Job chapter 31 Job said I made a covenant with my eyes not to look with lust at a young woman for what has God above chosen for us what is our inheritance from the Almighty on high isn't it calamity for the wicked and misfortune for those who do evil? Doesn't he see everything I do and every step I take? Have I lied to anyone or deceived anyone? Let God weigh me on the scales of justice, for he knows my integrity. If I have strayed from his pathway, or if my heart has lusted for what my eyes have seen, or if I am guilty of any other sin, then let someone else eat the crops I have planted. Let all that I have planted be uprooted. If my heart has been seduced by lust, then let my life belong to another. It is a fire that burns all the way to hell. It would like out everything I own. If I have been unfair to my male or female servants, when they brought their complaints to me, how could I face God? What could I say when he questioned me? For God created both me and my servants. He created us both in the womb. Have I refused to help the poor or crush the hopes of widows? Have I been stingy with my food and refused to share it with orphans? 
No, from childhood I've cared for orphans like a father. And all my life I've cared for widows. Whenever I saw the homeless without clothes and the needy without nothing to wear, did they not praise me for, for, for providing wool clothing to keep them warm? If I raised my hand against an orphan, knowing that judges would take my side, then let my shoulder be wrenched out of place. Let my arm be torn from its socket. That would be better than facing God's judgment. For if the majesty of God opposes me, what hope is there? Have I put my trust in money or felt secure because of my gold? Have I gloated about my wealth and all that I own? Have I looked at the sun shining in the skies or the moon walking down its silvery pathway and been secretly enticed in my heart to throw kisses at them in worship? If so, I should be punished by the judges, for it would mean I had denied the God of heaven. Have I ever rejoiced when disaster struck my enemies or became excited when harm came their way? No. I have never sinned by cursing anyone or by asking for revenge. My servants have never said he let others go hungry. I have never turned away a stranger, but have opened my doors to everyone. Have I tried to hide my sins like other people do, concealing my guilt in my heart? Have I feared the crowd or the contempt of the masses so that I kept quiet and stayed indoors? If only someone would listen to me. Look, I will sign my name to my defense. Let the Almighty answer me. Let my accuser write out the charges against me. I would face the accusations proudly. I would wear it like a crown, for I would tell him exactly what I've done. I would come before him like a prince. If my land accuses me and, it all, and all its furrows cry out together, or if I have stolen its crops or murdered its owners, then let thistles grow up on that land instead of wheat and weeds instead of water. Job's words are ended. Job was a very confused man. He had a pure heart. And he lived a pure life. Yet all this stuff was happening to him and he wanted answers. And he could not understand why all that was happening to him. He lost everything he owned. And he could not understand. Well, I thought about my life so far in this United States of America. I cannot help but be patriotic for this country. I cannot help but love this country for many various reasons. And I cannot help but think that this country overall, ever since its inception, has been good and has tried to be the best that it could be in the world and to share with the whole rest of the world as much as possible. And so it makes you wonder, when I look at this country, why are these things happening to this country that's not perfect like Job was, it's not pure like Job was, but the intentions of this country are good. Its fundamental basics by its founders was good and biblical. <clears throat> so, there is a heart of a nation that is made up of the hearts of its people. And so, 
does the heart of people get formed to form the heart of a society? It's by their parents and grandparents teaching children from a very early age, precept upon precept, and taking the time to do it. And I'm here to tell you that I'm ashamed of myself that I never put and invested as much time in that as I should have. I thank God that at the beginning of this year, one thing that I was able to get into a good habit of doing because of this China virus is to, is to not every day, but extremely often, we sit down in the evenings and we read out of the Bible together. And it has been very encouraging and uplifting to me and to my children that are left at home. And how are our children going to know what is truth and right out here in the society that is nothing but lies if they're not learning it from us in God's Word? No wonder there's so much confusion and chaos in this country we live in today because most of their education is coming from public schools who care less about God and His principles and who care less about having a pure and moral heart and a moral society. Ronald Reagan also said, without God there is a coarsening of a society. Without God there is a coarsening of a society. I want to look at Romans chapter 1. I'm going to read verses 18 through 32. And I promise you I will not read it in the NLT directly in places. I will paraphrase some of the NLT for our younger audience. Romans chapter 1 beginning in verse 18. But God shows His anger from heaven against all sinful wicked people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. They know the truth about God because He has made it obvious to them. For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and sky. Through everything God made, they can clearly see His invisible qualities, His eternal power, and divine nature. So they have no excuse for not knowing God. Yes, they knew God, but they wouldn't worship Him as God or even give Him thanks. And they began to think of foolish ideas of what God was like. As a result, their minds became dark and confused. Claiming to be wise, they instead became utter fools. And instead of worshiping the glorious, ever-living God, they worshiped idols made to look like mere people and birds and animals and reptiles. So God abandoned them to do whatever shameful things their hearts desired. And as a result, they did vile and degraded things. They traded the truth about God for a lie. So they worshiped and served the things God created instead of the creature instead of the Creator Himself, who is worthy of eternal praise. Amen. That is why God abandoned them to their shameful desires, such as homosexuality. Since they thought foolish to acknowledge God, He abandoned them to their foolish thinking and let them do things that should never be done. Their lives became full of every kind of wickedness, sin, greed, hate, envy, murder, quarreling, 
deception, malicious behavior, and gossip. They are backstabbers, haters of God, insolent, proud, and boastful. They invent new ways of sinning, and they disobey their parents. They refuse to understand, break the promises, are heartless, and have no mercy. They know God's justice requires that those who do these things deserve to die, yet they do them anyway. Worse yet, they encourage others to do them too. We live in an age that is described here, but it's not the first time it's happened. This is something that's been going on and on and on since the beginning of time. Without God, there is a coarsening of a society. No faith, no family, no law, all leads to no hope. It leads to anarchy and lawlessness. And then there's agitators from all over the globe that take advantage of these situations. People like BLM for Black Lives Matter who care nothing whatsoever about the black people. You can go read it right on their website. They don't hide it. They come right out and say that they are Marxists. And all they want to do is tear down this society. That's their goal. Antifa. COD, which stands for Crowds on Demand. George Soros, Jeff Bezos, Bill Gates, Mark Zuckerberg, and the list goes on and on and on. All they, these people have in common is they hate God and they hate Christians. And these are the people that are center stage in this country right now and in many places around the world. It's happened before, different names, different faces. We don't know what the future holds for this country. But we do know what the future holds for mankind. And we win. God wins. Anybody that's on God's side is going to win. And on the battleground of life, we may take some hits. We might even get killed. But if we're killed and we've been born again, we live. It's a win-win. The last, the last sentence that I want to talk about of his speech, without God, democracy will not and cannot long endure. Without God, democracy will not and cannot long endure. Let's turn over to Romans chapter 13. We'll read the first seven verses of Romans chapter 13. He says, Everyone must submit to governing authorities, 
For all authority comes from God. And those in positions of authority have been placed there by God. So anyone who rebels against authority is rebelling against what God has instituted. And they will be punished. For the authorities do not strike fear in people who are doing right, but in those who are doing wrong. Would you like to live without fear of the authorities? Do what is right, and they will honor you. The authorities are God's servants, sent for your good. But if you are doing wrong, of course you should be afraid, for they have the power to punish you. They are God's servants, sent for the very purpose of punishing those who do what is wrong. So you must submit to them, not only to avoid punishment, but also to keep a clear conscience. Pay your taxes, too, for these same reasons. For government workers need to be paid. They are serving God in what they do. Give to everyone what you owe them. Pay your taxes and government fees to those who collect them and give respect and honor to those who are in authority. Pretty simple to me, pretty straightforward, easy to understand. I want to read to you something from Tulsa today. It says, on the surface, it looks like BLM and Antifa have hundreds of thousands of members across the United States and more than a million strong when you count those who riot internationally. These numbers are as misleading as the purpose of the civil unrest and riots perpetrated by these two organizations who have proven themselves to be nothing more than terrorist organizations since the Ferguson riots. Many locals in cities across the U.S. are confused at the amount of people who show up in violent demonstrations protesting anything from Confederate monuments, local police, the president, etc. Since it is known in these areas that most support the opposite of what these crowds are there to protest. What is really happening here is most people really do not want what BLM and Antifa rioters are protesting for. A great example of this was the violence that most Donald Trump rallies during both the primaries and after he was elected. The thousands of supporters who attended his every rally were there to see the man who they wanted in office. Yet we are supposed to believe literally thousands of people attended his rallies and protests and were so angry that they attacked his supporters for their approval of him and his policies? Nothing could be further from the truth. As both BLM and Antifa really do not have the massive numbers and members they want, that yeah. Let me start that sentence over. Nothing could be further from the truth, as both BLM and Antifa really do not have the massive numbers and members they want us to believe they do. They also do not represent the political views the majority of Americans have. The truth is, over 90% of the people who show up in all these protests in the U.S. are literally paid protesters, hired by leftist political companies such as. COD, Crowds on Demand, and a handful of other via Craigslist or other online advertising sites such as Google or even local newspapers. Adam Swart, founder and CEO of COD, is literally responsible for most of the organization of individuals gathered for each BLM and Antifa riot in the U.S. since his firm does most of the advertising for recruiting riders and is the company who pays most of them anywhere from $15 the seventy-five dollars per hour to take part in nationwide protests. So I guess I guess the seventy-five dollar paid uh, protesters would be probably the ones walking around with hammers and bricks, probably maybe even a little dangerous. And the fifteen-dollar ones are probably the ones holding up signs. 
give a shout out. That's kind of interjecting that. Of course, George Soros funds these organizations as well as BLM and Antifa. And Barack Obama is responsible for originally organizing BLM and Antifa. So, no wonder we have thousands of demonstrators appearing in areas protesting for issues that are in total disagreement with that area's political mindset. They are all paid protesters. This is almost done. Not only are they really not members of BLM and Antifa and just rioting because it is their job, most of them do not even live in the local area where the actual protest takes place. The large numbers of protesters we see appearing everywhere is designed to strike fear into the minds of those who are American patriots and believe in the sovereignty of the U.S. as a constitutional country and have them believe they are grossly outnumbered, when in fact these numbers are false and misleading. In reality, both BLM and Antifa do not even have a fraction of the number of members they want us to believe they do. It would be nothing but a handful of New World Order with no voice, if not for the help given to them by crowds on demand and other activist organizations. If we are to bust these two anti-American groups, we must start at their avenues of success like HOD and all these internet sites who carry their ads for domestic terrorism. And it goes on, and I'm going to drop that here at the bottom. And if you want to read this rest of this article for yourself, you can. But I want to read this. This entry was posted in National on August 30th of 2017. So that article I just read was not from last week or even this year, but yet it could have been. So this is something that has been going on. It's going to continue on. I don't know how long. Nobody else does either. We can't, we can't control that as the body of Christ, any of this stuff that's going on out and around us. But we can control what goes on in our house and in our lives, in our heart. And that would be a good place for all Christians in this country to start. Not be brought in by the fear and all the chaos, but to stay focused on what's important. So in closing, the most important thing we can do is to obey the gospel. That's the most important thing if you haven't obeyed the gospel is to obey the gospel. Because it's the only way to survive this world and to get off this planet alive. Jesus said so in Mark 16 and 16 when he said, anyone who believes and is baptized will be saved. Then, once we become a child of God and we're a Christian, then to live a life in this world, but opposite of this world, as instructed in Romans chapter 12, as our final reading, we'll turn and read. Romans chapter 12, 9 through 21. So, when we read this, think about it in the context of a Christian. You've been baptized into Christ, and you want to know what to do next. You've heard, you believed, you've obeyed, you repented, and you've been baptized. What do you do next? It says what to do next, right here. Romans chapter 12, verse 9. Don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. 
Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. Be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people and don't think you know it all. Never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honorable. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the scriptures say, I will take revenge. I will pay them back, says the Lord. Instead, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they are thirsty, give them something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals of shame on their heads. Don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. We hope you have enjoyed this message recorded at Highway 71 Church of Christ. If you have questions concerning this message or would like to set up a study, please call 479-647-2658. May God bless you.